Welcome to a new season of Something to Talk About, a podcast where different women come together to talk about the Word of God and the various ways it applies to our lives. In this short five-episode summer series, we are going to be talking about the book Identity Theft and what it means to reclaim the truth of who we are in Christ. Identity Theft is edited by Melissa Kruger and written by several well-known authors such as Trillia Newbell, Hannah Anderson, Jen Wilkin, and more. If you're listening, I hope you've already purchased Identity Theft. If not, look for it wherever you normally purchase your books. In each episode this season, we will be talking from two chapters of Identity Theft. So joining me today to kick off our conversation and to talk about our freedom in Christ and our value as his image bearers are Iman Basali, Nadine Basali, and Melissa Aiken. So ladies, I have been looking forward to talking with all three of you because each of you have strong personalities and character that I very much admire. You can't see them, but they just gave each other a half off. <laughs> They totally do. Iman and Nadine are the first mother-daughter combo to come on the podcast, and Melissa is the first person to live just across the street from (laughs) where we record. So ladies, please introduce yourselves. Tell us a little bit about what you do professionally and what you enjoy personally. Iman kicks off. Yes. Because I'm the older? Yes. (laughs) Sure. Because you're the older, wiser. (laughs) Wiser. (laughs) So I am originally from Egypt, and I came to the States in 91, and in six months, I had a home in Augusta, Georgia, and um, I stayed home the first seven years I came to the States because my kids were a year and three years old, and I stayed with them, and at that time, my husband was working at MCG, and I enjoyed those seven years, and then um, during those seven years, I got my boards to, which is the... um, what a medical students would take at the end of their school year. And I started um, my residency. Um, so I am now internal medicine doctors with Piedmont. Um, and I have two children, um, Rafi and Nadine, who go to first press. And I have two grandchildren who go to first press too. Oh. Yeah. Just think in six months to move here and to have a home in six months and then to be here. What and never switch. move in 30 never years. Move. So I lived in Augusta more than I lived in Egypt. So this is home, definitely. Mm-hmm. All right, Nadine. Uh, so I am Nadine. I'm the daughter of the mother-daughter combo. <laughs> um, so like mom said, um, have lived here since I was one. Um, grew up at First Prize. I've been here since nursery two. Um, I went to Westminster, graduated from there. Um, and then I went on to UGA for four years lived in Atlanta for a little bit and then found my way back to Augusta where I've been ever since. I work at Augusta National Golf Club. I've been there for uh, six years now um, and I love that. I'm an administrative assistant in our tournament headquarters department. So I do a lot of a lot of different things, none of which pertain to the game of golf because I'm terrible <laughs> at that. I know a lot about it. I don't play it. Um, but yeah, so I've been in Augusta since then and for fun just hang out with my family, those, the granddaughters that she mentioned, my Aww. nieces. Well, what makes me feel old is that you were in the youth group when I first came to Augusta. <laughs> That's true. All right, Melissa, how about you? All right. So y'all, um, I am Melissa Aiken, and I am a physical therapist for the last 20 years. And I also have been doing some DNA-based health coaching. And um, for the last four years, I've been married to Matt Aiken for the last 17 years. And Cecilia turns 16 this June. Your daughter. Yes, our daughter. And um, I have been at First Pres for 20 years, um, right after graduating from MCG. And 
I have lived downtown um, for 15 years, which is crazy to think. And basically, like, I really love as far as, you know, Amber asked to um, about hobbies. And so I would say that I love to travel. That's like number one on my list. And um, I try to do as much as I can. And uh, I absolutely love doing some burn boot camp classes. And and I really love, I've gotten into really loving like um, cooking and just, you know, trying to get simple, but like healthy meals. Um, so I've really grown to love that too. That's a good combination. Yeah. All right, first things first question. We always start our episodes off with our first things first question. And today it is, what is the first thing or activity you think of when you hear the words summer fun? Okay, so summer for me is different because I work and I don't have kids in school. So it's not like summer, they're out of school. It's like it stays. So for me, I was just thinking this morning, uh, going to work, I pass through two schools and there's school zones that I have to slow down. And I'm always wondering how long it's going to take me. No school zone this morning. So that was a lot of fun. (laughs) I mean, it it cut five, six minutes of my route. So that was thank you, school for closing. the other thing is it is too hot and my grandchildren would come and would swim in the pool. So mm-hmm. that is kind of fun. Yeah. Um, but um, but I work the same, same hours. They don't give me a break. So it's just I'm, I'm glad that the AC in, at work works. Yeah. People don't stay healthier in the summer as a courtesy they to you? They actually go on vacation. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and the load is not as bad. Oh, but okay. um, that's why they don't come. Not because they are healthy, but they don't stay in Augusta (laughs) I don't think I would have could have well I know I could not have predicted you would have said summer fun is um, lack of school zone so (laughs) (laughs) it cracks me up it's just today I said thank you lord I'm late and look at this I'm going 45 miles an hour in front of a quadrant to have to worry about not hitting this is wonderful Okay, so when I think of summer fun, I am thinking of relaxation, less stress because Cecilia is not in school. Um, I think of going to the beach, um, boating because I grew up in Greensboro, Georgia, which is only like an hour hour and 15 from here um enjoying the lake with my family just like again more family time where we're not just rushing um so just getting away from the hustle and bustle of life um is what I think of with summer fun so you know mom mentioned not having kids in school but I feel like I can still remember being a student and having summer off so I think I'm still on that like bitter phase of being an adult (laughs) where like summer comes and I'm like what what why am I so why do y'all still need me to do? I mean, <laughs> should we be getting off, going to the pool? Uh, no, but summer is a little bit slower for me with work, obviously coming off of a busy, like, master season. So summer for me normally means getting to travel. Like, Melissa, I love to travel. It's my favorite thing. So um, try to squeeze in a few trips. I've got a little bit of work travel planned this summer and then some personal travel. So try to get that in before we get busy again in the fall. Can you tell us where you're traveling to this summer? Yeah. So um, I will be going to, later this month, I'll be going to Thailand and Australia. Um, And those are two work trips, which I'm very excited about. have not been to either of those places. Um, And obviously, kind of knowing where I work, obviously, it's a travel and style kind of situation. Yes, yes. Um, And then in July, I'll be going to Europe with a friend from college. So going to London and Paris. Do you need anybody to carry your bags? Yeah, actually, I was I was just thinking of hiring okay. someone for that. So if you're yeah, interested, I am. I'll yeah. send you my. Thanks, Amber, because I asked and she said she no. She said no to you. Yeah. Well, I've tried it. I've tried it with you once before, and I just yeah didn't quite okay. keep up as yeah. I, I, I needed you to. <laughs> quick, fast pace. <laughs> it's fast pace. Oh, that's funny. All right. Well, if I can't go with you, Nadine, to carry your bags, then I will go to the beach, 
or I will get on the boat on a lake. And I, we have some friends who have a boat. We do not have a boat, but they have a boat and they're very gracious with it. And so we've been, we kicked off summer actually earlier this week with a boat ride. And I do love a boat ride uh, when the sun's going down and nice. the lake is kind of peaceful yes. and calm and glassy oh. looking. And as it was, we just talked about the fact that that was a good way to kick off summer. Mm-hmm. You know, I think mm-hmm. what we're all saying in some ways is summer represents freedom or it used to. We would like it to represent freedom. For some of us, it still does. For some of us, it doesn't. But it is sort of that release from some of the feel things, the pressures that we feel at other times during the year. Mm-hmm. And it's a great kind of freedom, but there's an even better kind of freedom, and which is what we're going to begin by talking about today. Because our first chapter in Identity Theft talks about freedom, the fact that we're rescued by grace mm-hmm. and that we're rescued from sin, that we're free from sin. Uh, the verse that's connected to this chapter is Galatians 5.1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit yourselves again to a yoke of slavery. So Jen Wilkin is the woman who authored this chapter, and she starts out by saying, The good news of the gospel is that we are now no longer slaves to unrighteousness, but are free, free from the bondage brought about by the fall, free to be who God created us to be. But the exact nature of that freedom can evade us, even causing us to doubt if we've truly received it. And she gives this example of how her and her friends grew up in church and they went through what we can, some of us can relate to as sort of a cycle of salvation. You accept the Lord maybe at church or at camp. You have this great experience and then you go about your life and you realize, I don't really feel like I'm all that different. I don't think my salvation really stuck. I need to do it again. I need to recommit myself. And she said, we must have walked down that commitment aisle, you know, 10 times just because we didn't really understand the nature of our salvation, what it meant that we'd been freed by sin. And so can y'all think what makes it hard for you? Can you resonate with that fact that sometimes, even though maybe you know that I've been saved, I've been freed from sin, you have that thought, am I really? Is there anything that makes you it makes it hard for you to believe that at times? So actually the story she said is exactly my life story because I came to the Lord at a very young age. My dad was a minister, my mom was a minister's daughter, and I think I prayed maybe when I was five. And I expected that I'm going to be perfect because that's how you should be as a Christian. Uh, And it didn't work that way. I would pray that the Lord will um, help me not lose my temper or get angry. And as soon as I finish praying, I'm angry with somebody. And so every youth camp in the summer, I would be crying because I it was a lie. I did not really accept the Lord. Mm. And I think it was the misunderstanding of how we are free from sin. So we are free, but it's a process, like she was saying. Um, so there's a the justification, and then the sanctification, which takes a lifetime. And so I look at my life as I'm the older one in this room, and definitely the Lord have taken me a long way. I'm not perfect in any way, but it's a process where the Lord takes me. So I, it was the misunderstanding that it's it's a you know, one-time experience, one-minute experience where you're you're free. You don't understand. You enjoy the freedom without the guilty sense of, okay, I have to pay for it. Um, but it's also a process. So um, it took me years to understand that. And even now I say, okay, Lord, 
um, I need some more work. So work again on me. I like how your story corresponds so closely yeah. to that and how, you know, sometimes you don't realize that actually to be convicted of sin and to actually want sin not to be there is an evidence of freedom uh, yeah. from sin. Yes. Otherwise, our bondage is so complete, we, we really don't want anything different, ultimately. Yeah. What do you think, Nadine? So I think for me, something that makes it hard or, or maybe even like just perpetuates not feeling free is just comparison. Um, and I think especially these days with social media and just even just women, you know, I have a lot of girls I'm in a Bible study with and it's just, you know, I could think, oh, I'm having a good week, things are going well. And then someone's sharing that they're struggling, that their quiet time's not long enough or they didn't have it five days. And I'm like, oh, well, I only had mine once, you know? So it's like you get into this like spiral where it's, even if you think things are going well, just comparing and that could go even for the reverse um even not like in a Christian community just social media and just kind of everyone sharing everything in their perfect life and how everything can kind of seem um so like buttoned up and wrapped up um and then you just kind of get in the spiral of am I doing enough am I not doing enough am I not doing things I should be doing am I doing things that I shouldn't be doing um and kind of getting into this where it feels like it kind of has a hold on you um and you kind of lose that sense of freedom mm. Yeah, comparison is a tricky one that way, isn't it? As opposed to even bringing yourself to the Lord, I do this. I take myself in front of other people in my mind and compare myself to them and, ha- and sometimes think I actually even don't even really have an idea of what sin is or isn't because I'm really just sort of trying to measure myself by the accomplishments of other people. Amen, yeah. I mean, I would just say that like the, I mean, you know, so I gave my life to the Lord when I was 25, but it was really neat of how it happened. It was my physical therapy teacher that did it you know like that just wrote me like y'all wouldn't believe like a 30 page letter um and it was really sweet but it was sweet that when I told her that hey I really just I want to give all this up like I just want to really just like love the Lord you know but she was sweet to also say Melissa you know you never know you know like there could have been some point that you really accepted Christ Meaning to, again, back to what we talked about, like that you're not constantly going down the aisle measuring by your grace. But, you know, I did feel like when I gave my life to the Lord that truly, like I never felt like the Bible made sense. And then it's like when I, that moment that I was just like, I'm ready to surrender. I'm miserable on my own. I'm trying to do all this stuff or be this person or have too much freedom. And so it's just like the Bible made sense. Like when I could read it, like I read it the next time and it just made sense. So I would just say though that, probably my area that I struggle with sin and feeling the freedom would be just like that I think that I have to please the Lord and so trying to achieve and you know feeling like you know is he pleased with me and so like can I keep the Lord happy um and just like that he may have a list of to-dos and like did I get enough (laughs) done and you know just like sometimes that hamster wheel of like okay Lord And of course, like, as I say it, it's like, of course, that's crazy thinking. And there's no way I'm going to, I'm never going to measure up to his holy standard. But the nice thing, I mean, I never have struggled with knowing that I'm accepted in Christ, meaning never doubting my salvation. I'm so grateful for that. But definitely the one area that I feel like I still need to grow as a Christian is like, you know, the Lord loves me not because of my to-do list, but because I'm just his child. Well, in order to help us rightly understand our salvation from sin, uh, Jen Wilkin in this chapter, she reminds us that our salvation is three-part. 
Justification, which has taken place, is the freedom from the penalty of sin. So we're no longer under God's wrath. And sanctification, what we call sanctification seems like a big word, but it's freedom from the power of sin. So although we still struggle with sin, it no longer dominates us, rules us, controls us. We are controlled. We belong to Christ. And our glorification is when that utter freedom from the presence of sin takes place. There is no more sin Mm. in us, around us, and all has been absolutely made complete. And so she says, it just helps us to remember that justification has been done. We don't have to redo that. We can't add to that. Jesus's work is done once and for all, complete. We always stand free from the penalty of sin. And we're being freed from the presence of sin, and or excuse me, from the power of sin. And our hope is one day we'll totally be freed from the presence of it. So we've talked a little bit then about how this chapter helped us change our understanding of what it looked like to be freed from sin. How do y'all anticipate that change in your outlook uh, changes the way that you live? So I think just to feel free from the penalty that, like Melissa was saying, I am a performance person, (laughs) and I thought I didn't need to earn my salvation or just make him proud of me by work and just to have the freedom that it's not my performance and it's a process and I'm changing just takes a load off you Mm -hmm. it's like you are not running a race for a price and if you don't you failed it's every time you earn a race you're you're gaining, you're changing into the likeness of his son. Mm. And it's from glory to glory. So I think, uh, I remember one time sharing my faith with a Muslim friend in Egypt. And for her, she said, what do you mean you get forgiven? So for her, just to be forgiven based on the blood of Jesus made no sense. Mm. You have to earn everything. Mm -hmm. And I think coming from Egypt as a culture, that also was in my mentality. Although Mm -hmm. I was raised in a Christian home, it was like performance-based because Mm -hmm. all the people around me, it was performance-based. But now just to feel you're free and you're changing from glory to glory with the grace of God, Mm -hmm. and he's encouraging you every step of the way, it's a beautiful feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. don't get discouraged if, if you have to do it over again. It's like this broadcast. Broadcast. If you if we make a mistake, you can overdo it. It's <laughs> the same with yeah. the Lord. I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. I did not do well. Lord, today, please help me. And, mm-hmm. and you spend time with the Lord and you spend time in the Word. And then you do it right the next time. And the Lord said, yes, I told you you can do it because I'm just right there beside mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We do not gain more of the Lord's love, his commitment, his encouragement towards us. There's joy in obedience. You know, it's not that we say, oh, we've been freed from the penalty of sin. Therefore, let's go do as much sin as we possibly can because there's no penalty attached. That's wonderful. That would be a false, completely false understanding of our freedom and terrible assumption on the character and depth of love of God towards us. But what you're saying is that you're then free to live into that glory to glory, that beautiful identity, that there's beauty attached to obedience and not sort of a sense of impossible earning. Right. That makes a difference. Right. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think it's just grace. It's just, I think mom said this with the first question, but just that it's a work in progress. I think when I'm at my spiritual high and when I'm at my spiritual low, God's working in me and working through that. Um, just because I've, I'm a Christian doesn't mean that 
all of a sudden I don't do anything bad and I don't care what anyone thinks about me and, and all those problems took care of themselves. So I think just having grace and, and just having confidence in, in the fact that God's working through that um, and hopefully getting better every day. Well, there's something too about repentance and faith, you know, bringing yourself to the Lord and honestly confessing those sins, uh, receiving and knowing that that forgiveness is there. And then by faith saying, Lord, I, I trust you're going to change this in me. And I do cooperate. There is a work involved, but it's a work of love. It's, it's not a work of fear that I will be cast out if I don't do certain yeah. things. What do you think, Melissa? I really felt that, you know, again, I'm thankful that I can be grateful that, you know, I don't doubt my salvation um, in the Lord, um, but just, again, feeling free to, to live free from my lists and um, and then especially just like the burdens that I would carry about making sure I'm caring for other people well, you know, would be my area of sin um, because just remind myself I'm not Jesus. I wasn't meant to be perfect. I wasn't meant to be Jesus. I'm not God junior that I feel like I have some burden <laughs> of carrying. Um, I think a man and I can identify with that together being healthcare professionals. Um, but I'm just, I only have a certain role, you know, to carry out. And, um, so I feel like, you know, that this has just helped me to, again, relieve the burden that, you know, I know Satan would want me to carry to feel like I've got to, again, live that perfect life. I've got to measure up. Um, and that's a yoke of slavery. That's a bondage that is horrible. So, Again, just like feeling that freedom of like God carries it, God will sustain me, God will be enough for Mm -hmm. others and myself. Well, it's a totally different focus. It turns your eyes off of yourself Mm -hmm. and puts them on the Lord and the glory of the Lord. And as we moved into chapter two, the title of that one is Reflection, Made in God's Image. What does it mean that we're made in God's image? The author is Hannah Anderson. The verse connected to that chapter is 2 Corinthians 3.18, where it says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Like you said, Iman, yeah, from one degree of glory to another. And so I love that the book starts out with our freedom, what we've been freed from, because then it introduces what we've been ushered into, to be created in the image made new in the image of Christ. And in this chapter, Hannah Anderson, she talks about the fact that even though we've been given this glorious identity, we tend, she says it this way, we invest our sense of self in something that's small, temporal, unstable. And if we do that, we will become small, temporal, and unstable people. I mean, we know what that feels like. When, our, the, when those things collapse or come to a natural end, even as good things do, then we enter a crisis of identity. For without them, how will we know our sense of purpose, calling, and direction? And that can be something like motherhood. It's a good thing, but it's temporal. It comes to an end. Uh, different ways and different times for different people. It can be our careers. You know, They come to an end. It can be a hobby that we love and we excel at. And it comes to an end. And she's saying if we invest our whole sense of self in things that are small, temporal, unstable, then we become those kinds of people. Do you all find that you can wrongly tend to consider your core identity as attached to those sorts of things? And if so, what does that look like for you all? So this is a fun one for me. Um, 
because I think just singleness is mm-hmm. something that, you know, being in my early 30s and being single is, um, for me, it feels like a neon sign that I walk around with every day that's, hey, I'm single. And, and it also tends to associate itself with that means I'm unlovable. That means mm-hmm. I've failed in some way. That means, you know, I've, my friends in college had something that I don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and because of that, sometimes I cling to other things like, okay, well, my friends are all married and have children, but I, I have a job that I love mm-hmm. or that I'm proud of or that people think is cool. So then I, you know, when I, I try to like deflect, I guess, I kind of mm-hmm. cling to that and it ends up being where I identify myself in, in one or the other. Um, and I think what she said was actually like very humbling because she called it small and, and temporal and unstable. And I'm like, well, this is something that I, I mean, day in and day out, I think about and I pray about and I, it, it consumes me. And, and she called it small and temporal and unstable. And I'm like, well, that, I mean, that's true. That's, it's a circumstance. It's, it's an adjective. It's not, that's not who I am. Um, and those things are unstable. I mean, even my job, before I got this job, there were plenty of jobs that I applied for and didn't get. And even with this job, I mean, there have been promotions I've wanted that I haven't gotten. And and obviously, relationships can not pay out the way you want them to. So I think just when you take the focus off of that and, and your identity is found in, in Christ, and that is stable, and that's not small, and that's never going to disappoint, and that's never going to not measure up, it's like, it almost makes you feel a little silly. Like, why do I put so much weight? I think she said in the book, like, you expect it to do more than it can do, mm-hmm. which is so true. I mean, I expect being in a relationship to do way more than it's going to do, even mm-hmm. Lord willing, when that time does come. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, it's not, again, going to fix all my problems. There's probably still going to be days where I feel unlovable or that I've failed in one way or another. So mm-hmm. um, I think just puts it in perspective. And I think as women, it's it's a really easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, especially with one as kind of public as singleness, yeah. but. Mm-hmm. Well, that is so well stated. And I appreciate you for being honest that way. And, mm-hmm. and praise the Lord just for that sort of self-awareness, um, because mm-hmm. we all do that. I mean, we all want to put a sense of identity in something that is too small to contain it. Like, I liked how you brought that out. That it's not that that job isn't a great job because it is. It's not that marriage can't be great. It can. It's not that motherhood's not beautiful. It is. It's not that you know doing what y'all do isn't important. It is, but it's not big enough. You know, it, it it's not big enough to contain uh, what the Lord's what He gives to us. Our identity in Him is so much larger than can be contained. Like you're saying in those in those smaller in those smaller things, mm-hmm. it doesn't make them unimportant. But in comparison, yeah. um, they just don't. And and I've, I I do the same thing, whether, yeah, I do the same thing. So thanks for expressing it that way. Well said, Nadine. I don't know how to follow with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but I also count my success in what I'm doing. And it could be something good like ministry. <laughs> yeah. Like Nadine sometimes would call me out when I start a Bible study and then um, – Years back, I had a Bible study where I would cook and then nobody would come. And then I feel I'm like a failure. And she says, why do you take it personal? It's mm. a ministry. So so I feel sometimes I feel <clears throat> I measure myself with how successful I am. So I put even ministry I need to do well or um, at work. I need to have the number of patients go up every month because, you know, and um and sometimes this takes the glory from the Lord, and the Lord will break me in that just mm-hmm. to teach me, focus on me, mm-hmm. because those are gifts that I've given you. 
but those are not who you are, and that is not who you need to be looking for. Mm. And um, so people approval is a big thing for me. I want everybody to love me and be accepted and, you know. Um, so if somebody's upset with me, I can't sleep at night, and then I'll call in the morning and say, so well, how can we fix that? But mm. but I think it's because I put small gods in my life, and I feel like that would make me a better Christian. And then if I lose the focus, the Lord will teach me, and I can so many times in my life he did that. And, and I'm so grateful he did that. I know what that sort of discipline by the Lord looks like. And sometimes I will pray for it, even though I know I don't want it, because I know my heart is so prone, so many ways to do exactly what you're describing, but that he loves us enough to break us in those things. Yes. Give us something more. So I would say that, you know, through Cecilia being gone for seven weeks in France, um, you know, you see just in being a mother um, and just having to some level of like influence or control or whatever. And then when you don't have that, it just, I mean, it rattled me more. I was excited for her to have that opportunity, but it rattled me more to go, wow, like, again, you know, what will not having her here look like for me when she's in college? So like just seeing that, like a small glimpse of it. Um, And then, you know, I would definitely say, the success and people again, like I said earlier, people liking me, um, just like man said, is that, um, you know, the identity of what I am to others and my <laughs> taking care of them well. So like, you know, just the, the, the small gods that you create, that I create, um, of, you know, pleasing others. <laughs> And so, and then just realizing that you're too exhausted because you're like, I can't be everything to everybody. Like you just get, you know, God allows you to just be exhausted. And then it's, it's, it's wonderful because then you're just so exhausted and then you go, okay, all I can do Lord is to look up at you and go, you better take care of all these people (laughs) because clearly I can't. And I've tried on my own in my own strength. Um, And you have to be again, their Lord. So absolutely. I mean, you're, you're, redirecting the glory lord oh actually i can't i can't i can't bear the weight of any but tiny bit of glory i'm gonna give that back to you amen oh i love how hannah says in this chapter summarizing what y'all are saying Hmm. that the truth about our core identity is so much richer and more soul satisfying than any category or role we could conceive for ourselves so as image bearers of god we are called to show forth the glory the power the might of our king Our deepest sense of purpose and identity is so bound up in this calling that everything about our lives, from the work we do, to the people we love, to the place we live, all somehow connect back to him. So all of the things, the big things, the little things, all provide that opportunity to show forth his glory, his power, his wonders, his work, not ours, his. And there's joy in that. There's burden in in trying to gain that for ourselves because you know being made in the image of god is not the same thing as being god mm. i like to how <laughs> you said when you think about yourself as like junior god or something is what you said and you didn't get struck by lightning i'm sitting close to you i was a little concerned but we we can sometimes think that our identity as image bearers of god 
um, means that we ourselves are limitless hmm. and you know that there's no boundaries maybe to our wisdom or our energy or our power or our ability to affect change and I loved how Hannah says this she points out we can confuse our created identity with God's identity as our creator so yes. we are the creatures he is the creator and to be his image bearers means that we acknowledge ourselves to be his creation and we surrender ourselves to his rule and his reign in our lives and we reflect his goodness and glory by coming to him uh, through faith in the work of his son jesus and then by being made more and more into his image mm-hmm. uh, when we surrender our lives our chosen small identities to him then we find in him abundant life and in that life we show forth his glory his power and his might and so we're talking about the fact that sometimes we realize that only when we lose those small identities when they're taken from us in some form or fashion and and hannah says you know when changes in life come an illness that prevents you from caring for those you love or the loss of income requires downsizing or the cross-country move strips you of friends and families, the death of a marriage, death itself, instead of these changes shattering your sense of identity, you'll find them transforming it. So each new challenge, each shifting role is a tool in the hand of God to shape you into the image bearer you're meant to be. Can y'all resonate with that experience, with that statement? What did that look like for y'all? Yeah, so I would say that... um, and none of y'all know this, but when I was in PT school, you, of course, take your boards and I failed. Hmm. And I'd already accepted a job at MCG Hospital. And um, uh, man, like to just tell my boss, I, I know you need to choose somebody else because I failed my PT boards. And, you know, literally, guys, for 48 hours, I locked myself in my room at my parents' house. I felt like a complete you know, failure, idiot. Um, Like I had nothing to cling to. Like clearly I was putting a lot of going, I have made it this far. I've worked hard. Um, And then now what do I have to cling to? What am I going to do for my living? What am I going to do for my job? Um, But the cool thing is that the Lord used an unbeliever to minister to me because she said, I am not worried at all, Melissa. We still want you. You work hard. I know that you're going to pass this next time. And by God's grace, I now had through that utter failure of feeling like I have nothing, Lord, and I was a believer at that time, um, to then now becoming, you know, and studying hard and just asking God for his mercy and his wisdom. And so then, uh, sorry, then I was able to be a physical therapist to pass my boards to um, now be a humble servant of the Lord rather than probably an egomaniac thinking I have achieved the success. Like, so now I knew that it was the Lord's wisdom and the Lord that would, you know, make me come and serve people and not just be, you know, all about Melissa Aiken. So Mm. total shift of perspective to have thought you've lost something that you cared so much about to go to the Lord with that, for him to restore that, but not so that you can say, okay, good, now I am that thing. But how can I, or I now have that role, but how can I use that Lord for your service and find joy in that? I agree that uh, the Lord uses the losses. You don't always remember, oh, there was a good time last year when everything was great, and I remember how the Lord helped me. You remember the hard times where you had losses and in my life because I'm older uh, there was a lot of things that the Lord 
um, changed the course of my life with the loss. So um, <clears throat> my idol growing up was my dad because he um, was my mentor, um, and I had a good Christian dad who lived Christian life at home. But at, as soon as I finished medical school, he died before see me graduate, and that was the hardest thing for me, and I didn't understand why mm. he would not even... I went to medical school for him, mm. but the week after he died... I was um, having a Bible study with a Muslim friend, and we were very close. Her dad died. Mm -hmm. And God used that to just put us closer to each other and to share in depth with uh, about the Lord. Um, I got married, and then my first child died at, mm -hmm. at 10 days old. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a very healthy baby, and I could not understand why is that happening. But because he died, Reda got a job in Saudi Arabia, and I left my residency on ophthalmology, which I don't know why I picked, mm. to go to Saudi Arabia, where me and Reda started our married life away from family, and that was the best thing that happened to us. And I changed from ophthalmology to family to internal medicine, which I love, and the Lord just changed that, um, just with the loss. And then I, uh, his dad was very sick and was about to die. He was lived in the States, so that's why we came to the States. So I feel like the Lord used a loss or a pain to change my plans for the future. I mean, my plans was completely different than what I would think, um, but much, much better than what I had in mind. And he took away things that were anchors in my life to tell me, I am your anchor, mm -hmm. I am your God, my plans for you are way above what you can think of. Mm -hmm. And it feels like hurt and pain right now, but if you just wait, there will be a lot of uh, mm -hmm. sweet times. Mm -hmm. The combination of both those things, that, that hurt and pain is real, and that he's in that with us, and yet he doesn't leave us in that. I love how you said that he would say, I am your anchor, I am your God. My plans 100%. for you way beyond. He's a good God. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, I mean, I kind of touched before on it's easy when the things that you choose to identify yourself with are not going well. And, and that's, you know, it's kind of an obvious, you know, I, when the job doesn't work out or when the relationship doesn't work out. And so I think that's kind of been an, encouraging me to rely more on the Lord for identity. And I just feel like how, um, like, confident and how, like, how much peace I would have knowing that like, even when these things are going well, again, Lord willing, when that relationship happens or when things with, you know, my job are going well to know that if the Lord were to take it away or if it were to not work out, like that wouldn't, sh sure, it would still hurt and it would still be hard, but that wouldn't shake my foundation the way it would now. So I think that like, I'm kind of in this period of trying to shift that now so that again, when, when things kind of work themselves out or, or kind of fall into place um it's not like oh I was I was bummed before because it wasn't working out and I'm happy now because it is working out I want to get to a place where I'm confident in who I am in Christ regardless so that um I just feel like it to not have the anxiety of like you know this is who I am and if if this goes away I don't know what I'm gonna do or this is this is who I am and if the Lord takes this person away from me or the child away from me like I, I don't know what I'll have left to so just kind of have that confidence and that like assurance that like Thank you for this job. Thank you for this relationship. Thank you for this, you know, whatever it is. Um, but 
again, those are just like they're add-ons mm-hmm. um, and that's not how I define myself and that's not who I am. So um, for me, I think I'm kind of just in that transformation phase now where I'm trying to shift my focus and I'm trying to rely on like what the Lord has said about who I am in him um, so that when things change, um, I don't lose that, mm-hmm. that confidence. Mm-hmm. I appreciate both of those things to be preparing yourself for losses that you anticipate may come or for disappointments or for heartaches, even if you're not right in the middle of them right now. Yeah. And then the percep- the perspective, you man, of what it's like to have walked through those losses and the sweetness that y'all shared those things together, that you know some of that from what your mama has experienced yeah. and what she's told you and how she's lived her life openly before you. Mm-hmm. And it really is the beauty of what we get to do here on this table is to remind ourselves of who we are and who the Lord is. And the larger our vision grows of who the Lord is and how amazing it is that we're caught up in him, then those other things do start to have less of a hold on us. And we do grow in those. And then sometimes they're pulled from us in ways that are hurtful and hard. And yet to have the testimony of different ages and different generations and different personalities and different stages of life, all saying that the Lord is good. He is our anchor. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are completely safe in him. Our identity rests in him. And that is something to say amen about. Amen. Amen. Well, Amen, Nadine and Melissa. I really am glad that y'all joined me today. And listeners, if you want to see their pretty faces, you can check us out on our Bible Study Facebook page at Women's Bible Study FPCA, or you can find us on Instagram at First Press Augusta Women. Join me again in two weeks along with Aaron Mills, my co-host for the rest of the summer series. You can take us shopping with you or for a quick drive to grab a snow cone. We will be talking with Angela Rogers and Susie Vital about our identity as God's children and his saints. We hope you listen in. Sometimes a light surprises the Christian wife she sees. It is the Lord who rises with healing in his wings. When comforts are declining, He grants the soul again. A season of your shining to cheer it after the rain. 